This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So, welcome to today's uh, episode on Ultimate Global Podcast, um, and it's it's another milestone that I was uh, just talking about with Charlotte that we have completed uh, fifty. We have completed episodes with fifty speakers from twelve different countries around the world, and today we are joined with the fifty-first speaker. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Charlotte, and uh, she's here to participate in this very special series of episodes that we are doing for the SDRs, AEs, and CSMs. Being a fellow SDR, I really understand the kind of challenges that we generally face on a day-to-day basis, um, and no matter how much good you are in in your particular sales uh, job there will be challenges that you are facing so i thought it's a good platform for us to discuss with a senior sales person um to understand more about how she is doing sales what can we learn from her um and what are her experiences been in the past um so starting off with this uh, question charlotte uh, would you like to describe more about yourself and also tell a bit about what you're doing at Unmind. Yeah, so I'm Charlotte Riddle. I work in business development at Unmind. I've been SDRing there for just over a year. I just had my year anniversary last month. I've been um, BDRing for four years and two of those in the world of tech. Unmind is a workplace mental health platform, so uh, very much focused on the well-being space and SDRing into HR teams. That's pretty interesting, Charlotte. Um, and I've, I've been researching on your LinkedIn profile as well. It, you have got a very diverse range of experiences uh, within the world of sales. Um, would be interesting to know what has been one of your biggest learning throughout your journey. Yes, I, I think it has to come down to aligning the company you work for with your values. So if you're selling something that, is very much what you are interested in and what you like and what you love, then it's going to be a much easier sell than if it wasn't. So um, throughout the pandemic, like I'm sure lots of people, you reevaluate your life and what you're doing and where you're working. And I really wanted to be a paramedic and a naturopath, a doctor, a nurse before I got into the world of business. And so looping back to that wellbeing space for me was really important. What are some of the broader level changes, Charlotte, that you have witnessed in sales? I'm sure that uh, sales is not the same as what you were doing 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I'm sure there have been a lot of changes. What are some of the major trends or changes that you find have completely transformed the way people are doing sales in general these days? Yes, I think the newest So I think video is fairly new, but then the newest is probably gifting. So using Sendozo or a reach desk to send people things that during the pandemic was amazing because you were, you could send something to somebody's address and they weren't just in the office surrounded by all the hustle and bustle. It was a gift that they got delivered to their own home, which is a very powerful message when you think about how lonely we were during lockdown. Um, And I think that that's a really exciting channel that I think will stay for the future because it's so personalized. 
as well. So I love that one. <laughs> Have you been doing that in your company as well? Yes. Yeah. We're looking at, um, we're looking at going with our reach desk at the moment. So um, fingers crossed for that one, but used it at, um, at Telium, which was great. I loved it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I even, even I have heard about reach desk um, and the way they are personalizing the gifts for, um, and they are selling their idea of personalizing the gifts for your employees. So I think that's a wonderful way to recognize your good employees and kind of uh, motivate them to do better every day. Um, are there any specific ways uh, of prospecting that you are adopting Charlotte on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you feel there are some specific ways that really work out well over others? Yeah, so I have a pretty structured calendar. I start the morning by uh, looking at sort of my inbound channels and going, what do I need to action from an inbound perspective? In MQLs, demo requests. Um, I'll have a browse of LinkedIn in the morning and then action all of those tasks and then leave my afternoons for outbound. Um, and that could be a mixture of um, LinkedIn, email, vidyards, calling, and uh then doing call prep for the next day. I've got a, um, a list of LinkedIn stuff that I like to do throughout my week and try and touch each specific one at some point um, in the day, uh, which we can go through in a bit. But, yeah, it's very broad. I don't think I do anything that's very different to what is out there. I think the key is just to not stick to one thing and keep doing the one thing. You have to try so many different things and give everything a go to see what lands. Absolutely. Um, when you're talking about LinkedIn, um, are there any specific methods that you are using? Because on LinkedIn, there are so many ways of doing and reaching out to people. It can be through LinkedIn in-mails, personalizing the message or using LinkedIn sales navigator. So when you say LinkedIn outreach, what in specific do you do in that case? Yes. So I make sure that my calendar link is in my LinkedIn navigator signature. That would be my first recommendation. And then there's probably eight different types of messages that I go through throughout my week. So it could be, I saw you liked or commented on someone's post. It could be about, are you okay day? For example, that just happened last week. So that's a very topical thing for us to go and comment on. Um, or as you add people on LinkedIn, as they accept those requests, say, hey, so nice to connect with you. I thought you might be interested in this resource. Check out page two. I think it's really relevant to your role. You could go through your LinkedIn profile views, say something like, thanks for stopping by my profile. I thought you'd appreciate this and then resend something to them. Um, I love creating lists like... Uh, Lead list in Navigator where you've got past company is an unmined customer. So you can go and say, hey, I saw you used to work at X. Um, they are now an unmined customer. Would love to share what we're doing. Do you have some time? Things like that. So there's also, you know, you can go through LinkedIn posts, um, people who've posted on LinkedIn the past 30 days, leads that follow unmined, uh, people who've got a new role. That one's always really popular. So yeah, there's a few things that I do on LinkedIn and it sounds like the possibilities are endless. So I do spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, I think most of the sales people these days are really using LinkedIn a lot. That's why my question was specifically towards LinkedIn because yeah. many people say that we are using LinkedIn, but then what exactly are you doing on LinkedIn? Um and how are you trying to make the optimal use of that? That's the that's the question we are trying to answer at the end of the day, isn't it? Totally. And I think you have to be really smart with how you do your lead filters as well. Um because there's two SDRs for us in APAC and that's a whole region and we can't touch every one of those HR leads. That's just too many um, without burning through contacts. So we have to be really targeted. So rather than generating a lead list of 64,000 people, how can we get that lead list down to 300 and target those in the month or over two months and things like that? So it's good fun to play around with those filters. Um, but, yeah, definitely try and target it down and really pinpoint where you want to go. Absolutely. Um, also, Charlotte, I would like to understand from you one of the most use channel with sales is cold emailing um, mm. and sometimes when you are sending out email it can simply act as uh, uh, you know big, it, you know it can simply act as a trigger to capture your attention as as a prospect or as your customer to whom you are selling and they have got 30 more emails to see early on in the morning when they are getting your email in between so yeah. what will be the structure and what can be the ideal structure to that email in a way that captures the attention of your customer? Is, that, is there something specific that you are following uh, you know, in your company, which you say that, that that's the structure or you keep on experimenting different things at different times? Yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan of listening to webinars and you know podcasts as well and trying to find data back decisions on what is working out there in the market. And Salesloft is really good at that. Um, they have um, webinars on their website and they come up with these amazing stats. So email should be under 100 words. Um, you know, 1 to 25 words can get a 40% reply rate. 26 to 50, you might get a 45% reply rate. So they've gone and found all the data. And, you know, that is just gold for us because if we can just align ourselves to that data, then we're going to have success. So subject headers should be no longer than four words. Um, there's a 300% increase in email reply rate when you personalise your first sentence of your email, don't worry about the last few sentences because it's got to be front-loaded. So there's so many different little golden nuggets that um, that are out there. It's just finding them. And, you know, the more you share, the more that we know. So creating that culture within the workplace of, um, of things that are coming up, of PDFs that people have written um double tapping is so good as well when you've got a call a linkedin request and an email all in one day that's a really good first step because it just says to someone hey i'm here i'm reaching out to you you can expect to hear from me and give them the option to to see that and i love being a bit creative when it comes to emails because when i read my inbox and there's just text and it's boring. And I'm like, why would I reply? We have to make our language really simple. Use emojis, use GIFs, be the fun laugh in their day, stand out. 
Um, we're using a meerkat gift, for example, at the moment, and it's purely just to make someone have a little chuckle at their desk, you know, be the difference in their day. Don't just be another spam email. Um, yeah, that would be my, my um, I guess, methodology uh, and approach to what and how I write emails. Absolutely. And that is in terms of this quant content or the quality of email that you are sending. In terms of the quantity, uh, what is your sequencing generally looking like in terms of how many cold emails or how many calls you make on a daily basis, which kind of fits into the sequence that you might have created for yourself in sales? Yes. And this is something that has changed over time as well. Like I believe in 2007, the number of touches to get a response was three to four. In 2015, it was 10. And now there's a need for 15 to 20 sequence steps for the same outcome. And that's done by Harvard Business School um, research. So 14 to 15 steps is really optimal. Um, MQL sequences can be shorter, outbound can be longer, um, but the key is to get a mixture of double tap, single tap, triple tap in there. You want email, you want LinkedIn connect, a LinkedIn post like, a LinkedIn um, in mail. You want a first email, a last email, which is your breakup email, a follow-up email. And then in between is really four or five messages of your value prop to your persona and try and make sure each one is different because you're hitting them with darts and hoping that one's going to stick and just value pack your emails, you know, throw in a resource that you think that will be valuable to them. Share an article um, from the news that you and your company think is a really hot topic at the moment. Give them something of value so that they don't look at you as spam um you're respecting their time and you're giving them something of value so why should they not have a look in other words yeah that's how i structure my sequences at the moment video as well make sure all the channels are in there absolutely and you know since uh, this episode will be watched by our fellow sdrs new sdrs experienced sdrs or account executives or csms one of the curious questions that I have always got in my mind as an SDR, whenever I'm talking to another salesperson in the same industry or different industry is, how does your day look like? Um, so yeah. my day looks like, like this. How does your day look like? So how does your nine to five really look like, Charlotte? Okay. <laughs> I wish I could share my screen and show you my calendar because it's a bit of a joke. <laughs> My whole company has a laugh about how organized it is. But in the morning, I've got an hour of power and it's 15 minutes of four things. It's add new contacts to sequence, do a LinkedIn post, read slacks, prospect replies, and um, check my inbound keys, MQL and demo. Have a look at what web form um web forms have been filled out, see who's not quite an MQL yet, but is really engaged. And then I will usually go into, I'll have a break. I'll make myself a coffee, tea, and then I'll do an hour of emails. And whilst I'm doing those emails, I'll listen to um, webinars um, because the way I structure my emails, I can, with 
if I'm not going and finding personalization sentences, I can kind of do it while doing two things at the same time. Um, then I'll go into an hour of LinkedIn tasks and then I'll do some vidyards. And then in the afternoon, it's a bit of here, there, everywhere and in between. It depends if I've had an event come up. If we've got an event, then I'll do event sequences, then inbound, then outbound and do the task via that way. And then when I like to change it up, I'll do it via task, via those hour blocks. Um, and usually finishing up with some internal meetings and uh, cold call prep for the next day as well. Um, that's, that's, that looks like a very, very hectic day and uh, kind <laughs> of really really sums up uh, you know what what your day looks like but i would also like to ask the same question uh, you have, you have told us the uh, answer in in not in terms of the quantity uh, a lot of sdrs might be looking at so how many calls do you make how many emails do you send on an average um, if you yes. can also get that and how many um, you know messages do you look at or how many webinar videos do you look at in more quantitative way Yes, sure. Um, so a good week for me in terms of outreach tasks all up is about 500 to 700 tasks. That could be probably three, 300 emails, 100 calls, one or 200 LinkedIn tasks. It varies depending on the load and what sequences I've got on at the moment. Um and if we've had events, because sometimes it might be more email than um, LinkedIn and vice versa. If we have an event, then there's going to be a week of heaps of calls because we, I like to call our inbound leads. Um, so that's what the tasks in outreach look like. Um, in terms of how many webinars do I watch a week? Look, I would like to get through a lot more than I do, but I would I usually listen to about three a week. And that's why I say I've got my favorites, like, you've just got to find the ones that jam pack full of takeaways because there's so much content out there that doesn't give you that. So I love SDR Nation, John Barrows, um, and what's the other one? And then Sales Loft as well. They do great um, SDR webinars that are just jam packed full of insights. So they're always so useful. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think Sales Loft is something which I'm also following. Um, and I like to follow some of the other senior sales leaders, such as yourself, uh, yeah. who are who are more experienced than me, who are, you know, having more experience into the way the things are done. Because you can learn a lot of things, a lot of mistakes that they've already done in their career before, which you can avoid. Um, or you can, you, you might have done similar mistakes, or you might be about to do similar mistakes, which you can avoid from listening to them, from listening to their experiences. Sometimes uh, it works, sometimes it doesn't work because unless you make the mistake on your own, uh, you don't realize it. Uh, that's what I've realized in my, in my job. You don't make a mistake on your own and then you realize that, that that's a mistake I have done. I shouldn't have done that. So that's, that's the thing. A lot of time, um, I also see people in sales wasting their time in reporting and other things. Um, how do you... Uh, how do you rank reporting um, and all those things as compared to uh, cold calling and cold emailing? Because I personally feel that a lot of your time should just be spent towards cold calls, cold emails, reaching out to people rather than spending it on reporting part, isn't it? Um, interesting. Yeah. The reporting that I tend to look at is 
um, just my activity metrics for the week, which is done really easily in Outreach, the prospecting tool that we use here. Um, it's already done for me. So I guess it depends what your sales operations function looks like and how advanced they are in their reporting. Because really as an SDR, you shouldn't be focusing on reporting um, because that's not your job. Your job's to book meetings. Um, so I'd be curious to understand that on a, on a better level as well on what reporting you people are trying to do themselves. Absolutely. Um, one more question, um, and I think this will be one of the last questions for today that I would definitely like to ask from you, from your experiences, um, for young SDRs, for people who are new to sales, for people who are new to tech sales, are there any top two or three key takeaways um, that you can give them from your experience, which is like, which can be really helpful for them in their careers ahead? Yeah, I think one, make sure a company, the company that you work for, make sure you've got some mentors and people that you love to learn off. Um, that That's really important because you always want to be growing. If you've got someone to look at and to, to copy, then that's going to be really helpful. Um, number two, our job can be really repetitive. We literally just write emails, cold call, send LinkedIn messages and hold discovery meetings. Like it can be very limiting. So try everything. You know, if you're too nervous about sending a video, do video because you're going to get so much return on results. Um, and that's how you keep your job fun and interesting and creative. Um Definitely personalize to the person, to the account, to the industry. Have a play around with how much personalization you want to do because um, that's where the creativity can come in as well. Um, and then thirdly, try not to get too bogged down in the day-to-day. -day. So if you feel like you're in a funk, which happens to me, it happened to me today at about 2.30 and I was like, oh, I'm just in outreach doing emails. I just need a break. Go and read the news. Just type in. For me, it's well-being, it's mental health into Google. And I had a look on LinkedIn as well and just see what people are talking about and find them. Say, loved your LinkedIn post. Just change up your day so it doesn't get too repetitive would be um, would be my advice. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. I think these uh, tips were really useful, especially towards uh, mental health because a lot of the times, not only in sales, but I feel that in any kind of job that you are doing, it's important for you to uh, take care of your physical and mental well-being along with your job um, and take some breaks in between. Some people also suggest that um, having some sort of power naps in between your routine um, can be a great idea. Going out, going out um, on lunch with your colleagues in the office um, can be a good idea. Um, I'm located in Baranguru. Uh, we've got a really beautiful view from outside. You can go out in the sun and uh, breathe the fresh air during your lunch hours. So there can be different ways of just relaxing um, or just listen to some of your favorite songs. Um, you know, if you're fond of music, uh, you can listen to songs. And uh, are, are there any specific things that you are doing, Charlotte, uh, when you take a break uh, yeah. during your lunch hours? I um I actually bought a treadmill the other day and I've given my work from home desk a bit of a a, a renovation and I now have a treadmill under my desk. <laughs> so I like to walk, which is um 
I find that when I go out at lunchtime, I'm constantly thinking about work. So the fact that I can do both at the same time (laughs) is my efficiency hack of um, my work from home life. But that's when I'm from home. When I'm at work, I'm talking with my colleagues and we talk all day and it's very distracting, but it's a brilliant at the same time because we have such great relationships. So I'm in um, the city in Sydney as well and being able to walk around the shops food courts just get a breath of fresh air is important too so yeah definitely have the breaks because your brain needs it um yep. and yeah all of those things that you mentioned sound super good tips that you've heard so um highly recommend those well that's amazing charlotte with this we come to an end to another insightful episode at least that was really insightful for me to learn something new from you and i'm sure that when we share this episode out in the audience um on linkedin people are going to learn something new out of this, which they might not have heard at other places. So thank you so much for being um, a participant and a speaker in this uh, episode. I hope to see you again on some other topic. Oh, you too. Such a pleasure. We'll chat soon. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.